When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA show. I'm your host, Catherine Niker. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Today, joining me is freelance writer. She writes for Raptors HQ, CBC Comedy, Yahoo Sports, and a bunch of other publications. Uh, please welcome Chelsea Late. How you doing? Hello. Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, I, uh, you know, despite our Raptors anxiety, you know, we're going to get into all of that later. We always start with NBA first and then get into our Raptors woes. Uh, I just want to start off by uh, letting everybody know that Raptors Republic is hosting an event, a live IRL in-person event. Uh, it's happening February 7th at the Rivoli downtown Toronto at 6 p.m. A bunch of us are going to be there. Uh, I'm going to be there, which is cool. But I know there's like going to be so many other people there that are fully advertised. Like I hear Blake Murphy's going to be there and locked on Sean Woodley's going to be there. I think it's going to be a ton of us. So if you're, you know, a huge Raptors Twitter person, like come on out. It's going to be a great way to, to meet us, ask us questions and all that good stuff. So that's February 7th at the Rivoli. So please check that out. I know they've definitely, uh, we've sold a bunch of tickets, but I do think there's a few left. So if you're interested, get on it and all that good stuff. Uh, okay, Chelsea, before we get into our topics, we got to talk about the WNBA coming to Toronto. Uh, yeah. I think you and I are both excited <laughs> about that. You you cover the WNBA a little bit. Is that right? Yeah. So I've done a bunch of like freelance things um, for the WNBA. I'm hoping to cover it a lot more this season. But yeah, it's super exciting. I mean, we've been trying to get a team up in Toronto for years now. And I feel like the WNBA is finally starting to take expansion a little bit more seriously. So mm -hmm. this is a great opportunity to kind of test the waters of what it would be like. And they're definitely seeing it as a test. So if you're interested at all, you got to show out and just, you know, make it really hype. Yeah, I completely agree. I uh, I also have a, a WNBA uh, podcast called The Pickup, which I uh, co-host with Freddie Rivas. And yeah, we're super excited. We're fingers crossed trying to get some sort of media credentials yeah, for this game so yeah. hopefully that happens mm -hmm. um but if not we'll be there as fans but yeah we're gonna be there either way and i completely agree like i you know so many people stop me and they're like oh like when are we gonna get a WNBA team like that's always everyone's first question and it's like if you are one of those people and you want a team here, you got to come out and support because yeah. that is literally how we're going to show them. Because, yeah. you know, I think a lot of people, you know, they wear the orange hoodie and stuff, but they don't necessarily like tune into the games. Yeah. That is like a huge. It's kind of hard. Yeah. They don't make it easy. They don't make it that easy. No. I mean, uh, I've purchased League Pass, which I think is only like 30 bucks a year. Yeah. Canadian, um, 30 bucks. And they yeah. just went up this year. It used to be like 16 American which was oh my like God. A, yeah those were the days, but the days. <laughs> <laughs> now it's a little bit more but it's still a good deal yeah it's still a good deal i mean it's it's a bit of a finicky site i'll say like mm -hmm. i was complaining about it pretty much all last season but yeah i mean i do think you know being a WNBA fan you do kind of have to go a bit out of your way for it but now that i've done that my algorithms have aligned you know and like the content comes to me more easily now yeah, and sure. and it's really fun and i feel like even especially in the summer like there i have so much more enjoyment watching actual basketball than I do spending like two months of like, where is Kevin Durant going to go just for him to go nowhere? Literally. You know what I mean? That is, it's true. And then I, especially I feel like with Raptors Twitter, maybe that's just because that's the space I'm most condensed in, but like, and there's so much going on every summer and I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to watch Brianna Stewart hoop 
and I'm going to give myself some peace and you guys can discuss all the weird trade scenarios that you want. And I'm just going to enjoy some good basketball. So it works out. Yes, I completely agree. It really helps me uh, balance out my summer. And as huge hoop heads as we are, and I'm sure uh, a lot of our listeners are, you always have that feeling after an NBA season of like, oh man, this could be like so many more months before there's more basketball. But really by the time the NBA ends, you know, you're ramping up to all-star weekend in the WNBA. And so it's like, it's actually a really good time to hop in. Um, So yeah, that's happening May. I think it's 13th. Yeah. It's the 13th. And the fun part too, is that like, I was writing about it yesterday as the news was coming out and trying to, you know, blast it out there. And there were so many people in like my network who are not basketball fans at all, but just, you know, are supporting like women in general and Mm. they were like yeah I definitely want to come now that it's coming to Toronto so I just I think it's not just going to be the basketball community I think it's going to bring a lot of like cool people regardless if they watch basketball just because they're like oh women's sports that's cool like I want to support either way so I feel like it's going to be a really fun day yeah I totally agree um okay let's get into some nba so um you know i don't do too much lakers talk on this podcast on purpose but i do want to talk a little bit about lebron james because he is going to pass the all-time scoring record at some point this season Mm -hmm. and a lot of people you know based on his uh current average which is near 30 points a game uh which is absolutely wild especially at his age uh if he if he keeps up that average he is suspected to hit that uh record february 7th against oklahoma city so i guess i wanted to ask you do you think he's going to be able to keep up this average when do you think he's going to hit this do you think it might happen even before february 7th um do you think it might happen post all-star where do you think this is going to land um it definitely depends i mean he's obviously one to sometimes rest and sometimes you know take games off when he wants to kind of rehab injuries or back to backs and stuff like that. So um, I think it might not be February 7th. I would say either like right before the all-star break or right after. And I feel like Mm. that would also be good, like marketing wise, not that he probably personally cares about that, but in terms of the NBA um, (laughs) that would kind of work out for them. But yeah, it's definitely really cool. He's um, obviously an iconic player. And based on the fact I read something this season that said he spends about a million dollars every year on his body. Oh which yeah. He's insane. And obviously makes sense. Cause it's I wish, thing, but right. Same. <laughs> about $4 a year on my body. So, you know, it's fine. But, <laughs> um, but you know, because of that, and we've seen that on both sides, like in every sport, the fact that players are able to play at this level for so many years is just a testament to how much they spend on their body, which is incredible. You think about Sue Bird, who played until mm. professional basketball until she was 41. Diana Taurasi is 41 now and still going into the into the season this year. Uh, you think about tennis mm. players playing up until that age and beyond. Like It's so cool that we're in this age now where they have the ability to spend that money on their body. And so we're seeing these long, incredible careers. And I really don't think LeBron is planning on you know, winding down anytime soon. I know he says stuff about his son and, you know, yeah, he's going to retire after that or whatever. Like, and if he wants to retire, that's completely his own thing. But I think physically he's going to be able to upkeep that 30 points per night as long as he wants to, because he mm-hmm. is spending that money on his body and he does have the resources. And I mean, barring any like big injury, which I hope not, because that's terrible for anyone. Yeah, I think he's definitely going to be able to upkeep that as long as he wants to. Yeah, I think as long as he's healthy, he's absolutely going to hit this record. I see. I I I think he is determined to hit mm-hmm. this before All Star Weekend. True. Because yeah. I I do feel like when I think about LeBron, I do think of someone who is a, a master of their own narrative, and I think he's obsessed with his own narrative, you know, <laughs> and his legacy to uh, a degree that maybe we're not used to seeing, you know. Yeah. And and I think he wants to go into All-Star Weekend just talking about this record, breaking it, what it means to him Mm -hmm. as a Laker, blah, blah, blah. I don't think he wants to talk about the team's record or what their playoff aspirations are or Westbrook or Anthony Davis's injuries. Like he doesn't want to talk about any of that. He so he is going to do everything he can to keep the conversation in his favor, I think. 
Yeah, for sure. I definitely agree with that. He is, I mean, and he's earned that right to be able to want that for himself. And it kind of is bad, the situation that he's in right now. Like you think about all these other players on his level, you think about Steph Curry, you think about, you know, players on the women's side or like tennis players or, you know, those Mm -hmm. are just the sports I follow. You think about hockey players, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, usually when you're a player at that caliber, you're always on like a championship level team. Like your presence just automatically makes you a championship level team. And I mean, you think about the Lakers and sure LeBron automatically makes anybody a contender, but the poor guy is kind of just, you know, carrying them on his back right now. You know, he's supposed to have a D who's unfortunately struggled with injuries and there's the whole Westbrook thing. And so, yeah, I definitely agree that he is frustrated and he has in my head a little bit of a right to be frustrated with the situation that he's in right now. Um, So yeah, being able to control his narrative is, and especially at something like all-star weekend, which you know, it's all about press and fans and all that stuff. He will definitely want to go in there with a good talking point. And you think about when Steph Curry broke the three-point record last year, like that was such a great night. And I think everybody in the NBA, like community kind of came together and celebrated that. And it was really fun. Um, And And at Madison Square Garden too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like LeBron, especially like you said, the kind of person he is, I feel like he might not do it at OKC. He might be like, maybe I'll rest tonight. I don't know. But um, (laughs) like, let me do this at home at least. Yeah. Yeah. Either at home or like, yeah, against like a, like a competitor like that, or maybe I don't, I don't know what the Lakers, uh, yeah, I haven't looked like, in, but deep into this like schedule, if he yeah. went to Cleveland, that would be fun. Like just, you know, different scenarios oh God, in which yeah. he could like, again, control that narrative and make it like kind of more of a hype night. But yeah, he, uh, I'm not sure if he'll do it that night specifically, but yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen before all-star break. And honestly, like it is truly historic. I mean, I don't remember exactly what year Kareem Abdul-Jabbar like retired, but I want to say it was maybe like 82 mm-hmm. or something. So we're talking about something that happens once every 40 years, yeah. if, if that. And, you know, I mean, maybe we'll see it more again because like you were talking about how like sports science has elevated so much and people can play longer. Yeah. So, you know, maybe it is something we'll see again in our lifetimes, but oh, it's, sure. it's very special. And I think, you know, I, I don't know if I have him as my greatest of all time, and I'm not going to get into that debate <laughs> today, but he is certainly like the greatest of his generation. And For I sure. think it's, you know, it's certainly noteworthy. So, you know, I'm mm-hmm. excited to see it. I'm definitely going to tune in to like all the Lakers games, like leading up to it. Cause I don't, I don't want to miss it. Like I'm no, the type yeah. of person where I'm like, I really want to see that live. Yeah. So. I mean, yeah, I watched the Steph Curry one live and that was cool. And it was just, you know, just a fun night. And I mean, I'm a big Steph Curry fan. So like it was hype. I'm like, like you said, I'm not sure where LeBron lands on my personal list, but uh, it's still cool. And it's still fun to see the whole community, regardless of what team you support, just kind of come together and celebrate something. I think Mm. that's something we see, especially as a Toronto fan in the WNBA a little bit more, because it's less about like my specific team and more about the community. So it's nice when those moments come to the NBA, because sometimes the space can be a little toxic. Yeah. Uh, very true very true um you know speaking of toxic let's talk about all-star uh (laughs) that was a stupid segue i didn't actually mean that but i i want to talk about the voting um Mm -hmm. so we have some early results to look at um you know our pascal siakam is you know sixth uh and in front court players you know kevin durant's injured i don't think he's gonna come back and play all-star so i think there's a world where he can make it in as like an injury reserve uh unless we all just like rally for him but we're all kind of feeling dejected right now but i wanted (laughs) to ask you um based on this list so far these early returns like who do you think is possibly the biggest snub and who do you think should be there if there's anyone with missing for you yeah i mean it's hard to say like snubs when it comes to the NBA. Like, I don't know, people have different opinions about what exactly constitutes as like an all-star caliber player. I mean, some people say that if your team isn't winning, then you shouldn't be on the thing. So that's the whole thing about Pascal Siakam is like, Oh, like, you know, he's not, he, he shouldn't be on the starters because the Raptors aren't doing well. Um, But I don't know. I think, the players in the end it's a popularity contest like you can't 
dejected to anything else. Sure, if you're playing well, you deserve to be there. But in the end, especially with the starters, it's going to be a popularity contest. Um, and I mean, so yeah, I get the Kevin Durant's going to make it in no matter what. It's just a matter of if he plays. Oh, and he deserves it. to be there for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. He's an excellent player still again. Um, and so, you know, I don't know. The ones that get me are the ones that are like, not the like LeBron, KD, Steph Curry level players. They're kind of like the mid players that like get in every year, despite the fact that they like have been injured the whole time or like have mm-hmm. only played 10 games or like something like that. And it's just because people, there's a big fan base in that city and people vote and whatever. Um, so, I mean, I think Pascal Siakam, I hope would make, you know, like kind of the bench or the reserves or whatever you, the specific term for it is, but, um, or, you know, the coaches vote and stuff like that. I think the thing that Pascal Siakam has that like is working in his benefit is the fact that he just plays like really good, solid basketball all of the time. And I think that coaches and players and people in the media who actually like understand the game a little bit more than, you know, people just voting on Twitter, um, that he has is like the fact that he his game is incredible and people have to respect that no matter what well they don't have to but it would be nice if they did um so i mean i have hope for him um we saw fred get in last year and i think the based on how they're playing and what the caliber of player they are i think based on the fact that fred got in last year i think the siakam is playing better so i mean i have hope um yeah that's fair i mean i think uh yeah i also still have hope for siakam making it i i agree like when you look at the east i mean it's kevin durant Giannis, jason tatum joel Embiid, jimmy butler and then pascal i can't you know all those guys deserve to be an all-star so it's not like you know there's any sort of like who the hell i mean i will say in terms of the east guards uh kyrie irving i mean these numbers are you know a few days old so i don't know where they are at today uh over three million votes i don't know (laughs) yeah how kyrie irving gets votes i mean yes he's having a good season but it's like you know i know there's a lot of people who watch sports and don't care I'm not one of those people. I care. I care about who you are. I'm not giving you my vote on an all-star ballot after the chaos that was going on just, you know, in November. That's just not something I would ever do. I just, that baffles me. It's not even like it's me. It's not like it's that, that was like the only thing he's ever like said that was insane in his lifetime. That's like the third thing last year. Like, I just... That's the one that perplexes me. I'm like, LeBron James, you know, personally, I don't know. As a player, he's great. Kyrie, same thing. He's a great player. But there's just some things that, like, as a person, I just, my conscious can't just be like, yeah, you're a good basketball player. Um, I don't know. It's just, that one baffles me every time. I'm like, the fact that, it one, it is a popularity contest. Sure, if he got in because, like, the coaches or the players or whatever were like, yeah, he's a great basketball player, I'd be like, okay. But the fans, I'm like, come on, guys. Like, there's so many better people to support in this league than him. Like, literally anyone. Literally Yeah, I mean, I think, like, you know, also with the conferences, too. I'm also pro just, like, mixing up all the conferences for All-Star. I don't think East and West should matter as much because the West is – so stacked and has been for frankly over 20 years yeah i don't know why we're still doing this it's because true. you know you look at the west guards and it's like steph curry luka Doncic, john morant mm-hmm. shea Gil- gilchrist alexander clay thompson i mean it's like it's nuts and then you have you have poor uh, okay i'm gonna i'm gonna make a crazy case here right now <laughs> aaron gordon is oh, the second yeah. best player on the best team in the league. Yeah. And he isn't on the list. Yeah. It's hard. You know, I mean, you know, you've got Damian Lillard here, Devin Booker, Westbrook is somehow six, but you know, you've got <laughs> Devin Booker. It's like, it, there's just so many, you know, De'Aaron Fox, like mm-hmm. there's just so many. And, and so we many, need yeah. to, we need to abolish the conferences for, for all-star. Yeah. And, and, and like, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Even a little bit like the positions gets me a little bit. Cause it's like, you think about, you get a starting five for each team and then it's like the three guards and the two, like four or centers or whatever, you know, the front court and the back court or whatever. But then like, I don't know. I 
don't know. I forget if the WNBA did this with awards or all-star as well. But like, I know specifically with awards, they just got rid of the positions. They were like, right. You know, first team is first team. If you're a good player, you're a good player. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the conferences, yeah, is definitely the big one. Cause yeah, there's, and then there's kind of the imbalance where you look at the East and like the people at the bottom of the list of the East. And I'm like, there's people in the West who are much better than this player. Oh in the East. yeah. And yeah. Yeah, so I agree with the conferences and even a little bit with the positions. I feel like the positions thing people will kind of disagree with me on because I don't know. I'm I as a Raptors watcher, I kind of am slightly intrigued by the whole positionless basketball idea. So, I mean, not that the Raptors are doing very well at it, but I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll get we'll get into all things a uh, six nine vision soon. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, that's cool. Let's talk about midseason awards. I, uh, you know, there's always a lot of midseason awards that are given out, yeah. but I just want to know, in your opinion, which team in the NBA, just for the sake of having some positivity before we get into all the craziness with the Raptors, which team do you think deserves an A plus? An A plus. Ooh, that's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple teams that for sure deserve A's. Um, in terms of an A plus, ooh. I mean, like the Bucks are up there, Celtics are up there. I mean, you think about the West, like the West is weird because like now Phoenix is like bad. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> it's like a weird thing happening right now. I mean, like, I think I think the the Denver Nuggets and yeah. the Memphis Grizzlies deserve A pluses this season. Um, yeah. I think, you know, bringing back Jamal Murray, um, it's been difficult. He is doing well, but he is you know, he's kind of molded into their third option on that team. And I feel like, you know, they're the kind of team that's been knocking on that door Mm -hmm. for the past few years now, you know, they had to go through their injuries and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. I feel like they are poised to make a very deep run this year in the playoffs. And I mean, they have the like, they have the MVP from, you know, the past couple of years, right? The past so, couple of years, yeah. you know, I don't think he'll get it a third year in a row no. because people will just, people just don't do that. No, but no. that's not to say he isn't playing like an MVP this year. Oh, for sure. um, yeah, I think they deserve it. I mean, Memphis is always just, you know, the most entertaining team to watch. Oh. They haven't lost a single game in 2023 yet. So that's pretty exciting. They've won their yeah. last 11 games in a row. Um, they are, they are the most exciting teams to me. Obviously the Warriors are still in the mix, but you can't give them an A plus for the regular season so far. Definitely not. I think it's those two teams. I think they're fascinating to me. I mean, Memphis has started knocking on that door, but they, they haven't quite had the same number of reps in the playoffs as the Nuggets. I know they went out in the first round two years, but they went to the Western finals in the bubble. I think when that team's healthy, they're very exciting. So yeah, yeah, those are my two A-plus teams this year. And they're super fun to watch. Like I know Memphis had a little run at in Toronto and I got to like go and it was really cool. And just like John Moran is just like such a likable guy. Like I know he like sometimes says stuff, but he's just so entertaining to watch and follow. And he's so like active on Twitter. He's really active when it comes to like women's basketball players. He's just Mm -hmm. like when you look at him on a very surface level, he's like so likable. Obviously, you know, sometimes you can't like look too deep and I don't know very much about him. So I don't want to just be like, he's a great guy, but like not know much about him. But on like a surface level, when you look sure, at him, yeah. he's, he's incredibly fun to follow. Incredibly. You just want him to succeed. And he's just putting on a show, which the NBA is obviously going to want because that's in the end, they're just putting on a show. Right. And like you, I agree with the Nuggets as well. And it would be really cool to get the as like someone who grew up in Cambridge, Ontario to get like the Larry OB to Kitchener, Ontario would be really yeah. cool. Uh, I'm sure Jamal would bring it back. Um, and I would just pretend I'm from Kitchener for a day, but um, <laughs> you know, like Kitchener, but I feel like that's only a big deal in Kitchener. You yeah, know what no, I mean? Like, exactly. I don't think <laughs> nobody outside of the like tri city, you know, Kitchener, Waterloo is going to give a shit, but like in there, they're going to be like, you're not from Kitchener, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> random Cambridge, Ontario moment there but um yeah so that would be cool so yeah definitely two teams to that are enjoyable to follow that I wouldn't mind mm-hmm. 
Um, okay, let's get into our Raptors Homer moment here. Uh, mm-hmm. It's been a weird week. We're going to get into all of it. But first, I got to talk about CJ McCollum. So he has a podcast of his own, as many mm-hmm. of us do, <laughs> and uh, myself included, obviously. <laughs> and he basically said that he has, you know, he alluded to the fact that he has some sort of insider information and he couldn't say spe- specifically because that would be tampering, but that he knows that there are players on the team that aren't happy um what do you make of those comments well first of all when i read those comments and then also read that he's the president of the players association oh yeah i was like conflict of interest first yeah first of all yeah giant conflict of interest second of all like you're not on the team you don't have any ties to the team in what world do you have the right to be like talking about that like as an nba player i don't know it just it felt kind of like weird and gossipy to me and i get the fact like everybody and their brother has a podcast and like that's what we do we just talk about we analyze but i feel like as like media and fans and people who are outside of the sport that's like our right and our thing and I mean, I get the fact that players are going to talk, but something about that, just like the whole mix of it, the fact that he's the president of the Players Association, he's not on the team. He is just like on this podcast, just talking about random stuff, probably just for clicks and whatever, because, you know, he definitely did it for clicks. Oh, yeah. And like the Raptors, like Twitter online spaces definitely has like a reputation of like throughout the league with people and so i think he definitely was pandering to that a little bit and i mean regardless of if it's true i mean i i wouldn't be surprised if it was true you know basketball players want to win our team's not winning okay that makes sense you know if some of them are a little disgruntled with their situation but i mean is it his place to say no Yeah, I think, like, number one, for sure, that's a conflict of interest. Number two, he absolutely did this for clicks. Uh, Number three, yeah, it's everyone in media knows that Raptors fans are easily baited. Mm -hmm. Um, So (laughs) that's why you get a lot of blasphemous takes um, from a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, also, lastly, he didn't say anything we don't kind of already know yeah you know what i mean like obviously with this much losing you're not going to be happy uh are they looking to move people at the trade deadline yes it's been widely reported amongst literally everyone yeah so he didn't really reveal anything it's just sort of the way he did it that he was like like he threw in the word tampering which is such a baity kind of word and just made it seem like he knew something very specific which maybe he does and like you know the obvious choice would be like gary trent jr because they're former teammates but i mean again that doesn't mean he doesn't have friendships with other people in the league Mm -hmm. you know um but it, it was just like yeah no one's no one's that surprised i do think it was a touch inappropriate um but also you know gary's a free agent at the end of this season so he's gonna you know if he's really unhappy he's not gonna be here for too much longer so i don't know yeah it's a weird position because the raptors are definitely i think we all were kind of um led astray a little bit last year when everybody was like yeah it's a development here and then they did a lot better than everybody expected so i mean i personally think that like we're on a good track in terms of development and i think we're in a very like middle space right now i never expected the raptors to like make a run this year or last year or anything i think people again we're a very reactionary fan base mm-hmm. um and i think that's could be a tough place to be in as a player especially when you're at that age like gary trent jr as he just turned 24 yesterday um you know and he's at that midpoint where he's really about to take like i think a really big stride in his ability and Obviously, he's the kind of guy who wants to be rewarded, which I don't blame him for. So, and I mean, in a league where it's a lot about what people are saying about you to get to want to get yourself being talked about is, you know, probably beneficial to him because then people will kind of see his name on places and teams and stuff like that. So, I mean, like you said, is it wrong? Probably not. Was it CJ McCollum's place to say on a random podcast? I don't think so. But <laughs> I mean, at least like leak your source to someone and like, you know, let them do it. But I don't know. I think it's just a bad, it, 
kind of makes him seem like I don't know. I feel like there's such like a like a narrative in sports where it's like you got to be focused about the game and and to some extent that's kind of dumb, but I feel like there's a certain extent where you just like dude like focus on what you got to focus on on your team and instead of just like spewing gossip on a on a podcast. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of players now they spend a lot of time thinking about their post-playing career and mm-hmm. try to lay down that groundwork early. Yeah. You true. know? So I think that's kind of what he's doing. And so, you know, I have respect for him for that. But yeah. And it's honestly, I mean, we're only salty because we're Raptors fans. If we <laughs> were Raptors fans, we'd be like, this is wildly entertaining. I want more. Yeah. I mean, um, everything I hear about the Lakers, I'm like, give me more. I need it. as soon as it's my team i'm like no those are my players (laughs) yeah um okay i mean speaking about the doom and gloom of our team um i was reading in sports illustrated yesterday that uh there's interest in uh deandre ayton which is uh intriguing um what are your thoughts on on a move like that to acquire deandre ayton oh man it's tough because in the end, you know, the Raptors need certain things. Um, I mean, we as like a fan base think that the Raptors need certain things. I'm not sure if our hopes kind of align with the front office. Um, but, um, you know, it wouldn't be a bad move. It would. Sure, there's a bunch of talk that DeAndre Ayton hasn't exactly like held up to the standard that he was supposed to based mm-hmm. on you know when he was drafted. And that's one thing I know he suffered from injury and stuff like that. And. So you can't, you know, blame him too much for that. Um, I'm sure he has, you know, a very great future ahead of him. And so if the move were to happen, I wouldn't be mad about it. Um, You know, and I don't know. I feel like I'm at a place with this team in this front office where they're not going to do what people expect them to do. And so already in my head, I'm like, they're not going to do that because that's the obvious choice. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe that's just my perspective on it. And um I think that they're definitely focusing on like who's a free agent and who they want to folk like who they want to give money to this season. And um, so I don't know. I have mixed, not mixed feelings about it. I think it would be a good option for us because we do need that, that height and that position, you know, and someone who's kind of like a starter caliber, but I also am not getting my hopes up too much because we kind of know the, at least the recent history of the moves that this team has made. Yeah. So one thing I just want to clarify is that this article does not state who would be traded for DeAndre Ayton. Just, it's just being reported that there's an interest in him. Um, The interest in him makes a lot of sense. He would fill fill a lot of holes for us. He would be um, on paper, a good fit. My hesitation with him is you know, he, there's just a lot of talk around him about his attitude and him not having a good attitude and him just being the kind of guy that was just playing to his second contract Mm -hmm. in the NBA and has really dropped off since he signed that second contract. And when I look at the Phoenix sun, I, I just don't understand why he is in such conflict with the other people there. I mean, Monty Williams, by all accounts, is a good coach and a, and a nice guy. Like, nobody has a bad thing to say about him. Um, you know, this is a team that has championship aspirations. Mm-hmm. Why would he be more motivated to play for us than he would be for them? Yeah. You know, like, I just I just don't see it. I mean, you know... I, there's the Kawhi example of he wasn't happy in San Antonio and then he came here and we won, but mm-hmm. we knew that he wasn't happy because he didn't like how they handled his injury. Mm-hmm. So it, there was like a clear through line there. We knew what he wasn't happy with. We knew we could do things differently here. Yeah. You know, yeah. we really started the whole load management thing. Yeah. Well, no, they kind of started it in San Antonio a bit, but they just didn't do it with him the way he felt that they should. Yeah. Um, they actually did start it, but, in any case i mean we just don't know at least the public the fans us we don't know why exactly deandre ayton has been so unhappy in phoenix so that's the thing that really has it that i'm very hesitant on because i just don't think we and the quote-unquote vibes of this season 
would revamp this guy. No, yeah. And I think, I mean, you talk back to the Kawhi thing, but that was such a different atmosphere and such a different team. Very like everybody much, knew yeah. as soon as Kawhi came in, you knew that he was the one missing piece and that this team was automatically like a contender. Obviously, DeAndre Ayton coming to this team right now in this current situation does not automatically make the Toronto Raptors a contender. And so the vibes, like you said, the vibes are different. Again, not to like go too heavily on vibes, but um, (laughs) vibes narrative. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just it's a different situation. And like you said, like his attitude is definitely a problem. And maybe that was the mood with Kawhi as well. But like they're two very different caliber players. You know, you think about where Kawhi was and even where he is now and what kind of player he is and DeAndre Ayton and where he is in his career and stuff like that. I just, it's a very different situation. And if he's unhappy, like you said, in a place like Phoenix, it has a very good, I mean, in the team, not higher up, obviously we all know that, but that has like a good reputation of being, you know, a good place to play basketball um, and is a championship contender despite their recent record. It just doesn't make sense and I don't know I don't know if he just isn't happy with certain members of the team if he isn't happy with how again they've treated him I don't know and I like you said he's I don't think it's going to change coming here because they're you know at this point it doesn't really look like the Raptors this season anyway are gonna go very far so I don't know what the you know what the yeah i mean unless he like wanted to be a part of some sort of rebuilding process for some reason um then that would be interesting but yeah i don't know i mean and then the other one i mean i didn't put this in our rundown but there's just so much yakka purtle talk yeah and i mean i do like yakka purtle i do think he'd be a good fit on this team but all the reports i've read um state that they want two first round picks for him mm-hmm. and i don't think Jakob purtle is worth two first round picks no um especially if we're not going to be a playoff team mm-hmm. we really want to hold on to those picks yep so yeah. you know i i just don't i don't see that being the right direction either so no. you know i think it's uh, as much as we're all like you got to make a move you got to get this player you got to get this player I yes, we definitely need to make a move, but it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard to like see, especially this team, like they've been so inconsistent this season. Like when they're good, they're really good. And when they're bad, they're terrible. So it's so hard to kind of like judge the ceiling on them. It's so hard to be like, okay, this is how far they could go. And it's they're young, too. Like you think about the fact that like their starters are all like under 30 years old um, and even like. I mean, Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam being like 28 or however old they are. I think they're in the like the 28, 29 range, both of them. But the fact that like that's your those are your veterans. And I mean, we have a few other veterans, you think, about like Thad Young and stuff like that. But like when you think about like core people on this team, it's such a young team. And so many of them haven't hit their ceiling yet. And they're all very, I think, just like eager to succeed and to make a name for themselves and I think that leads to inconsistencies. And so, yeah, there definitely needs to be a move made, but it's hard to tell like what exactly is our main fault because right now there's a lot of faults, but, um, Mm. but like, what's the main one, you know, what's the big move that you make in order to, I don't, I'm not of the belief that we need to blow it up. I think a few little things over this season and next season could really help. Um, But it's hard to tell like what the exact move is to make. Yeah, I have been very not blow it up um, this whole season. I think, you know, the talent we do have is really strong. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just really hard to leverage who we have for more um but also too like and i don't know if it's just because honestly i just hardly had any sleep last night or what it is but after this milwaukee game we're recording this uh early on thursday the 19th by the way this is going to come out on the 20th so just Mm um after this milwaukee game i'm just so like I was so disappointed in mm-hmm. that loss, especially after yeah. coming off the New York game, which was such a great win. Yeah. And I know it's a back-to-back, but it's no Giannis, no Middleton. Mm-hmm. And Brooke Lopez gets ejected in the middle of the fourth quarter and we still don't win. Like, mm-hmm. that is brutal, man. Like, you have to get those games. You have yeah. to get those games. Like, I just, 
God, what a crappy loss. Yeah. And I, I'm definitely been of the belief that like, I believe in the core of our team. And I really think that one of the bigger problems lies within the depth of the team and the fact that there's not very much trust in the bench and the fact that the bench isn't as deep as it could be. Um, And so I think a lot of, you know, our problems come in those last quarters and those closing out of games. You think about all of the games that we've lost by under 10 points. Yeah. And you think about also the fact that most of our core plays like 40 minutes a night, if not more. Um, That's such a huge problem. I mean, you can't ask, especially on a back to back for these guys to be playing 40 minutes a night and still be playing the like high level caliber basketball. I mean, I get that that's their job, but like at the same time, it's a lot to ask. And I just really wish the Raptors had someone consistent to go to on the bench that is always going to go and get you a bucket. Who's going to be that sixth man. And there is a few options of people who could turn into that. I'm a very big, like precious Achua believer. Um, But Right now, he's not consistent. Obviously, he's coming back from injury. You have Malachi Flynn, who's very up and down. You know, so I think that the Raptors, you know, one of the I'm not as big of a precious Achua believer as I think a lot of people are. Yeah. I feel bad saying that because I like the guy. But (laughs) just like, I don't know. I, you know, yes, he's coming back from injury right now Mm -hmm. and he hasn't been very consistent, but he really wasn't very consistent most of last season yeah you know he kind of found a little bit of his stride as we went into the playoffs but he had like he's been with us for you know a season and a half now and i've yet to see any kind of real consistency from him so i mean that's just me i'm not a full-on analyst so you know there's people like samson and stuff who would disagree with me and that's legit because they all probably (laughs) know more than i do but yeah i'm just you know based on what i can observe it's like we just haven't seen any consistency from him really and like even in that new york game that we won i mean there was that one play was it in overtime or like just before the overtime when like precious was standing at the top of the three-point line and we pass him the ball and then he has to shoot and a part of me is just like why why are you even there that aged me that aged me yes (laughs) oh my god i was sitting here because i was covering that game and i'm watching it on tv and like he got the ball, and as soon as he got the ball in his hands, I'm like, he's going to shoot a three-pointer. Ugh. And I'm like, no, like, why? Why? And, like, I know that sometimes they go in, and when they do go in, they're very fun, but, oh, man, every time you No, like, the whole, like, the whole play made sense. Yeah. It was just he can't consistently make that shot. It's yeah. like all the ball movement in the play made sense. Yeah. And then it gets to him because there's just no one else because yeah. Siakam fouled out. And then you're just like, well, shit, this is literally... I actually think that play, if anything, encompasses so much of what's been wrong with this season. It's like so much is working and then it just doesn't work. Right at the end. It's yeah. Just like, there's one bad choice like it's made and, and then it and all it's falls just apart. Like, if pre- like I, you know, I don't know you know, Precious is still a very young player and I don't know who he wants to be Mm -hmm. as a player. You know what I mean? But if he wants to be the guy that hits that shot, he needs to put in the work Mm -hmm. and maybe he is, maybe he is. And I don't know, Yeah, but you need to be putting in the work to be that guy. And I don't know if that's really where his focus has been, or maybe he just found himself there. Yeah. You know, like he, he it wasn't even intentional. He just found himself there and he found himself with the ball and he found himself with the clock like running down, you know, which is which could also very well be the case. But then again, it's like then put yourself in a position to succeed. Oh, yeah. And I remember that shot specifically. He had like five, ten feet of space ahead of him. I'm like, if you were like five feet closer to the basket, you would have had such a better chance. But yeah. Oh, man. And I think about that, too. Like you, a couple of games ago, Christian Coloco made that crazy like clutch shot at the end. And yeah. after the game in his conference, he was like, yeah, I take those shots every single day in practice. The whole team sees me practicing that shot. And so, you know, Gary Trent Jr. trusted him to take that shot because he knows he's been practicing. But and it happened to go in. It could have not. But I just like you were saying, like, we don't know what kind of work he's putting in, but. 
I mean, if you want to make that shot, you definitely have to be putting in the work. And I mean, hopefully he is because that would be a great asset for the Raptors to have because I feel like they're invested in Precious Achua as a player. But yeah, yeah, Ooh, that was rough. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's a blow up the bench scenario. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I mean, I wouldn't be mad about that. That's kind of where my like allegiance lies right now. I'm like, I, I'm a little too, and especially as someone who like covers the team, I'm a little too like, um, like attached to the core, which yeah. is like a fault of mine. Um, no, I will admit fair. it. But um, I just, like see people say like mean stuff because like all of Raptors Twitter these days is just mean stuff, and I'm like, you're being mean to them. It's not nice. Um, but mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something about the bench where I'm like, we need more. Like we need. Yeah, I don't know. Like the I feel like the core's been playing good enough, and it's just the fact that we don't have depth that is really hurting us. Yeah, and, and like you know, we we were you know we mentioned Vision Six Nine earlier. I Ooh. I I've said this multiple times in the podcast. I'd love to get your opinion on it. Yeah, I I love the idea of versatility mm-hmm. and every player being able to play every position. Mm-hmm. But I don't understand why everyone needs to be the same height. Yeah, this um, is the part that truly baffles me. Why would everyone have to be the same height? That makes no sense to me. Because to me, it's like, as long as there's quote unquote big men in the league, you know, seven footers. Yeah. You're going to need a seven footer. Are you not? Or at least someone close to that. Because even like with these games against the Bucks, you know, like the two we've had recently, Mm -hmm. Siakam having to guard Brooke Lopez, I personally find really frustrating. Mm -hmm. Not to say he can't guard Brooke Lopez, but ideally you have some other guy, a bigger guy, boxing him out to give Pascal Siakam some space. Yeah, I agree with you. Like I, I... I'm a big fan of versatile basketball, positionless basketball. I like the idea that your center is going to be able to play make. And I mean, you see like Scotty Barnes, he's not a center, but like you think about that kind of kid who's like that size and even taller being able to play make and have the vision is like a great, a great vision to have for basketball. Mm. And I think we're heading in that direction as more players develop shots. And there's so much more, like we were saying before, sports science to help you elevate your game more. Um, but yeah, I don't understand the fact that like they all have to be the same height. And like, even when we do draft like a seven foot or someone taller, we have Christian Coloco now who we just drafted, who, who knows what his ceiling is going to be, but like, you can't put Christian Coloco on Giannis. Like he's like half his size. Like when you think about muscle and so you need, like we, you need someone who you can go to in those situations, like Giannis and Embiid and those people. I mean, when you play a team like Brooklyn, like, sure, like, you know, they don't have like a big you know, I mean, this seven foot giant presence. Mm-hmm. So that works and it's cool to experiment with, but this league is always going to have seven footers and they're getting better and better by the day. And so you need someone who's also going to be able to give players like Siakam and, you know, the space that they need to operate because, you know, Pascal Siakam operates best when he's in that four position. And I, I agree with you. I feel bad for the fact that he's having to, you know, guard these centers when he's one of the best players in the NBA right now and he's not being allowed to, like, play the game that he is best at. And so, and I mean, I think about, I was looking at, like, a draft like a draft prospect 2023 thing. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, with the sixth pick, the Raptors pick, a 7-9, or a 6-9 forward, sorry. And I'm like... Again? Again? Literally. Like, okay, we did it with Scotty Barnes and it's kind of working, but are you going to do that again? <laughs> They will. They will. Yeah, <laughs> they probably will. It'll drive me absolutely crazy. Oh man. Um, yeah. I mean, we all ate our words with Scotty Barnes, but like, how many times is that going to happen? Not mm. as many. Yeah, we did, and I think you know it, it took the the front office a lot of guts. Let's use their guts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it took them a lot of guts to make that move. I think you know over yeah. all the talk over over Jalen Suggs, and mm-hmm. that obviously turned out to be a great move for yeah. us. Um, but yeah, I, I just I just don't get the whole everyone needs to be the same height thing. It really baffles me. And you know, there's other things. You know, I talked about how it would help Siakam, but I also think it would really help Fred. Like when we had Marcus Gasol on the team, I feel like Fred and Gasol would would have these like awesome pick and rolls with each other and it would help give him space and and, you know i just think it would help the team a lot Mm -hmm. like it's not just pascal and who he's guarding like it's 
it's just everyone it's spacing yeah, you know it's our too it's yeah our defense has also been super lacking Mm-hmm. And I'm not the analyst to explicitly say why, but we're supposed to be this really strong defensive team and we just haven't been. And a part of me is just like, I'm not sure if it's just because we don't care anymore, you know, if we're just feeling dejected or or what it is, but it, it's like, yeah, I think maybe if, and I don't know how, but if there was a way we could leverage our bench for a stronger bench or at least a couple, like at least a couple more players that uh, Nick nurse could trust mm-hmm. because I mean, the minutes issue is a real issue. Um, but also like our bench doesn't win minutes. So it's like, as much as I'm like Nick nurse plays our starters too much, our bench needs to start winning minutes. So our starters can really rest And so we can really like actually win, like you said, a lot of these games that we're losing by less than 10 points. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. And it's been a couple unlucky moves too. I mean, I watched this video that Samson had put out a couple of weeks ago where he kind of went through all of the different moves that they've made in the past couple of years. And you think about the one that really gets me is letting Utah Watanabe go for uh, Hernan Gomez. And you think about what Utah is doing right now. And I'm like, oh, it hurts. It hurts because like that would have yeah. been that would have been great. You know, you have him come on and we need a shooter and he is doing so well right now and has just, you know, kind of blown up on the nets. And it's just those little tiny moves that like, like I said, it's not the core. It's like the random guys that you just kind of let go because you want something else or you think you need something else. And then it just kind of doesn't work out in the way that you thought it would. So. Yeah. And, and as biased as I am for Nick nurse, everyone who listens to this podcast knows that I do think, you know, Utah hitting that, uh, well, it wasn't the game winning shot, but one of the game winning shots against us was a real, I think, F you to the team. And I do Mm -hmm. think that is an indictment on nurse for sure that Mm -hmm. he didn't, uh, see Utah's potential and, and play a more and, you know, when I've seen Utah do interviews and stuff, he he talks about how much the Nets have encouraged him to shoot. And yeah. that's what's given him the confidence and, and everything. And, and yeah, we needed to do that. And as much as I'm saying blow up the bench, maybe we need to be doing that more on our front, too. But it's just it's just tough when you don't have anyone else in your, you know, six to eight man, you know, rotation to help carry the load so um yeah tricky stuff there for sure um i don't know if you want to uh have any other say about this crazy raptor season so far (laughs) oh man no it's just it's been not what we expected in a good and a bad way i think it's just there's some stuff that's really good about it and some stuff that's really bad and i think the vibes are especially with the fan base it's i'm in a very weird middle position where i go and see the games as a media like perspective but then I'm also like on Twitter and like kind of also a fan so it's a very weird space to be in um but yeah it's um we'll see the next month is going to be really important so I will have a lot more to talk about once that happens (laughs) for sure well what what is the difference between the two the two like spaces like being with the media space and being with the because we all know what the fan space is like yeah so Um, tell us what the media space is like yeah so going into the media someone who was very like immersed into the fan like online experience is definitely very weird you think about all of the like mainstays of like raptors media that you see online i'm not going to name any of them by names because you all know who they are but like seeing them in person and interacting with them and like you know having that perspective of like knowing everything that the coaches say everything that the team say being able to feel the the vibes again, that's the only word that's coming to my head of like what, <laughs> the how it feels. Yeah, new exactly. drinking game. New exactly. drinking game every time we say every vibes. Every time we say vibes. Yeah. But being able to <laughs> feel what the atmosphere is like when we lose, when we win, um, is very like I feel like I have a lot more empathy for a lot of people, not just in the media, but also in the team. I have a lot more um I feel a lot worse when they lose because I'm like these poor guys, like you just see it when they come to talk to the media after you can feel it in the room. They're, mm-hmm. they're tired. They're, you know, disappointed. They're trying. Like it just, I think it's the main thing is just, it's made me a lot more empathetic for everyone in every situation, the media, the, 
the broadcast, the, the players, the coaches, the staff, everyone, I'm like, oof, like when you're losing, when you're not performing to your full potential, it's kind of like a whole thing. And then I go back to the fan perspective where a lot of people are quick to make judgments and it makes me a little bit more like, come on guys, like, let's just think about this a little bit more, like let's not be as reactionary. So I think it softened me a lot more. Yeah, that's fair. No, and I appreciate that. And I think maybe people, uh, some people maybe need to hear that a bit more, you know. But uh, in any case, keeping up with my bias for Nick Nurse, it is time for our Nick Nurse hottie highlight of the week. I will ride the segment into the ground. I don't care. So (laughs) uh, our hottie highlight this week comes from, you know, our own at Twitter at Doc Naismith. Uh, he, during the whole Brooke Lopez, Gary Trent Jr. scuffle, headband fiasco, uh, found a video of Nick Nurse staring Brooke Lopez down. And I was like, this is what I needed. Yeah. This is what I needed. This is the hottie highlight I needed, you know, for everyone that's saying vibes are off. People aren't happy, blah, blah, blah. When literal push come to shove literal push come to show yeah literally uh he's got his boys back you know he's staring him down he's not having it he knows brooke lopez is just a clown and i'm happy to call him a clown uh, at this point uh it was a it was a clown move on the court and then everything he said after the fact was even worse did you say did you see his clip of like him compare like he's like do you know how like serial killers like you know pay attention to their dogs or something and it was like yeah that headband spoke to me i retweeted it with just the red flag emoji yeah i saw that <laughs> i was like how i saw uh, the clip was you retweeting it i was like um yeah literally he with therapy because he i think he does because i i mean i don't know if it's just because i'm a woman but my first instinct was like don't date him don't date I don't even know what his status is. Maybe he's married and he has a bunch of kids or what. But I was like, oh, don't date this guy. Do not date this guy. Everyone needs to. You should not date this guy. Uh (laughs) Or like athletes in general. (laughs) Yeah, probably athletes in general. But especially that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to date an athlete, maybe just don't uh, date one that likes themselves to having the mindset of a serial killer. Even if it is just a quote unquote joke, it's pretty weird. It bombed. As, as someone who literally writes jokes, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the joke bombed. Yeah. The two comedy writers here are like, no, that did not work. <laughs> it got tossed in the garbage next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That joke bombed for sure. Yeah. So anyway, I'm happy to see Nick Nurse give him a stare down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the stare down I needed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I so earlier this year, um, me and uh, Dana Great Dane came mm-hmm. up with the you know the Nick Nurse Happy and Angry at Refs 2023 calendar. I came up with this calendar before the season started. Okay, okay. So I didn't know that like half the fan base was gonna see want him fired. But you know, to me, like the joy of being a Nick Nurse fan is watching him angry. Like it isn't just it isn't just for the guitar playing and the good times. Like watching him angry makes me so happy. Yeah, it just does. And maybe that's like deep into my psychology, and maybe you shouldn't date me either. But <laughs> no, he's a he's an interesting guy. He's. Uh... Loves cracking a joke in the media room. It's kind of funny. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's yeah. good. I like hearing that. Yeah. yeah he's, he's, I feel, I don't know. Sometimes the vibes obviously pre-game and post-game are a little different, but usually pre-game he's like in a good mood and it, like joking around with everyone. So yeah, I definitely feel the like, the, you know, admiration towards him is he's, he's a funny guy. Oh, that's good. I mean, I saw that clip of him earlier this week where he was getting kind of annoyed with the, with the press, with our local press. And he said like, no more effort questions. And he was like, are we good here? You know, but I don't think I was there that day, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, that's maybe that's why it happened. Chelsea. Yeah, I know. Right. I know it's you so weird because I'm like Nick Nurse definitely doesn't know who I am, but I'm also like one of like five or six women that like circulate through that room. So like I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he does. Maybe. I usually sit in the back. It's like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, well, that's fair. I mean, all right. Well, Chelsea, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me. I imagine Nick Nurse knows you or is familiar with you, or maybe, maybe just take a seat in the middle row. You know, yeah, inch your I'll way, move up a row next inch time. Inch your way you know? to the front. You know, I mean, I was the kid in high school that very much sat in the back of the class. I was a real yeah. back of the class kid, but you it's know. Yeah, thank yeah. you. See, that's like, you know, that's another shot for all our listeners. <laughs> Exactly. that's another that's one more drink yeah. in our in our vibes yeah. drinking game but yeah. i promise for- not to ask him any more effort questions i not that i have him, but yeah but now you know now i know I and you more. didn't have to learn the hard way i don't exactly. know who asked him but now I you don't, don't have either, to learn but yeah. <laughs> you don't have to learn the hard way yeah. um chelsea for all our listeners uh let us know uh what you're up to uh and where people can find you on the internets yeah so my instagram and twitter is just my first name last name chelsea late um and usually on both platforms i post my work when it comes to sports but i also do a lot of comedy around toronto so if you're into live comedy i post a lot of that too so find me on twitter and instagram are the two main ones um if you like writing and comedy and basketball (laughs) awesome uh thanks so much chelsea no problem thank you for having me thank you 